0: back to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg Voison, the host of Inside Personal Growth. And as I do every podcast I go on, maybe this might be getting a little redundant for all of you who listen to my podcast, but I just appreciate all of you out there because without you, um, I would not be a podcaster. I'm going on 10 years doing this. It's even hard for me to believe at Inside Personal Growth within excess of 580 interviews so thank you thank you thank you to everybody and today joining me from outside Florence Italy is I still consider Richard Barrett a very good friend he's a heart friend he's somebody that I connected with uh, probably 10 to 12 years ago in one of his courses he's written many books Um, he is the founder of a thing called Value Center And that is spelled V-A-L-U-E-S-C-E-N-T-R-E dot com. You can go there to learn more about uh, him, his books, his videos, his podcasts, his articles. uh, Very well done uh, website. But we're going to be talking to Richard today about a new book called A New Psychology of Human Well-Being. An Exploration of the Influence of Ego-Soul Dynamics and Mental and Physical Health. Richard, good day to you. How are you?
1: Well, thank you, Greg. Good day to you, too.
0: Well, Richard is, I'm going to say, one of the foremost thought leaders um, in so many different areas, but I'm going to let my listeners know a tad bit about you, Richard. He's the founder and chairman of Barrett Values Center, He's an FSS, FRSA. Richard is the author, speaker, and internationally recognized thought leader on the evolution of human values in business and society. He's, as I said, the founder of Barrett Value Center, a fellow at the World Business Academy, and former values coordinator at the World Bank. And if you guys want to, Richard is open enough. He's got an email address, richard at valuescenter.com. You can reach out to him there. You also have a website www.richardbarrett.net. That's B-A-R-R-E-T-T.net. You can reach him there as well. Well, what can I say, Richard? This book, you know, having gotten my degree in spiritual psychology, this obviously was something that I was highly interested in and just couldn't wait to do this interview and happy to actually speak with you again. And you mentioned that in the preface of the book, that the time was now for you to write the book, and that you were now more ready than you ever were to write this book. Um, Now why, and what compelled you to write the new psychology for human well-being?
1: Well, um, let me uh, take that uh, first question first. That's a good way to go. Um, I felt compelled to write this book because my soul told me to write this book right and <laughs> and I listened to my soul i 'm the servant of my soul, and so um, I really listen to what's going on, and I got the message time to write this book on psychology so um i why at this time in my life well i I reached um seventy one years old i 'm a really young seventy one and um the book is all about the stages of psychological development that we pass through from the moment we are born, or actually from the moment we are conceived all the way through to the moment we die. And there are seven stages of psychological development. And the last stage is, starts in the 60s. And I realized that at this point in time, I'd been through all of these stages, and I could now write about these stages from first-hand experience. If I would written this book earlier, I would not have been able to write about the stages um, from personal experience. So that was why I decided to write the book at this time.
0: And and it really is, I mean, if you look at the evolution of Richard Barrett and Value Center and the workshops that I went to and attended for all my listeners, I attended a workshop of his about 12 years ago. This is the essence of Richard. He is just the biggest hearted person i've ever met and has so much value when he says value center he does tremendous value to give individuals and people working in businesses now you explore in depth the stages of human well-being from the ego soul perspective and and i want to appreciate the accolades you get in the book from my alma mater university of santa monica and ron and mary who we just talked about, uh, before we got on this show, if you would explain the four dimensional awareness of the soul as, so you can put it into perspective for this listening audience.
1: Sure, Greg. Look, uh, we all think uh, we live in this three-dimensional material physical world, but this uh, this world, this three-dimensional material world, is a property of our senses. It's not a property of the actual world we live in. We live in a much larger energetic world, which is the world of the soul. And so our physical senses can only sense a small range, a small sliver of vibrational frequencies. Um, and so... What we interpret as this world is actually a restricted world, the world of three-dimensional consciousness. Our souls um, live in this four-dimensional energetic world and in order to be present in this three-dimensional world, they filter out of their awareness that fourth-dimensional energetic world, in order to be present in the physical body in the three-dimensional material world. The soul is still connected to that fourth-dimensional energetic world, and so we are connected to it, but we don't perceive it. So we walk around thinking we live in a material physical world, whereas actually we live in an
0: energetic, material, energetic uh, world. So question for you. This is a side question. It's not one that I wrote for the interview. But as you state that, I I think to myself, you know, this difference between the ego and the soul. And in particular, you know, you come from this perspective. Um and, and you explain it in the book, but why do you believe that from a protection mechanism the ego does such a strong job? And frequently from an awareness standpoint never allows individuals to have much of a glimpse into this fourth dimension of their soul.
1: Well, uh, so it works like this. The, the soul incarnates into the body while the uh, at the uh, embryo slash fetus stage, roughly about five five to ten weeks after conception. And at that point, the limbic, sorry, the reptilian mind brain is not yet developed, and so for a period of about five weeks, the 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 the, uh, the embryo is living in soul consciousness. Then, as the fetus become uh, forms, in other words, it becomes a fully functional human. The reptilian mind brain becomes dominant, and the soul, the conscious awareness of the soul, gets pushed into the subconscious. So now. The, the reptilian mind brain or the body mind is actually dominant and controlling things. Um, around 18 months or two years old, the limbic mind brain, the emotional mind then takes over and the body mind now becomes the subconscious of the uh, emotional mind and the soul mind becomes the unconscious of the emotional mind now so what's happening is the soul is getting pushed back into the background into the background and when the reptilian mind brain becomes sorry when the neocortex becomes dominant around the age 7 or 8 the uh, limbic mind brain, emotional mind becomes a subconscious, the body mind becomes the unconscious, and the soul mind becomes a super unconscious. So now, way, the, the, the conscious awareness of the soul is now a long way away from our own conscious awareness. Now, what happens around the age of 18 months to two years as the soul mind gets pushed back into the unconscious. Um, the soul mind is experienced, beginning to experience the phenomenon we call separation. During those first year or two of life, the baby uh, it, it cannot distinguish between itself and the rest of the world. It's living in that sense of oneness, the soul, soul connection. But as the baby begins, begins to realize, that it is living in a world of separation and that sometimes it doesn't get its needs met, that is a painful experience for the soul. Mm -hmm. And so the soul creates the ego as a buffer in order to cut off this pain. And so it can then, the ego continues. Now, here's a well, really you, fundamental point. You just stayed, let me just make this last okay, okay. point. That, that in fact, the will to survive of the ego is actually the soul's will to be present in the material world.
0: Mm. Okay, go ahead, Greg. It's okay. You know, I was, I had this next question, and it's interesting how succinct the questions are with relation to what you're saying. You stayed in the book that we don't have a soul; we are soul. That our soul and the soul of every human being is an individual aspect of the universal energy field, um, from which everything in our physical world arises. The comment that you were just making about the ego development as a result of a disconnect from the soul is interesting. Explain this interconnection, because I think even when you take this to the realm beyond just the this individual soul, you're now talking about group soul. You're talking about universal soul. Speak with us about that, if you would.
1: Okay, so um- – my my point is that the ego becomes in a sense the guardian of the soul allowing the soul to be present in three-dimensional material awareness without um without experiencing the pain of the which the soul would would experience but because of not getting its love needs met if let me put it that way okay. and so and just as the Just as the uh, soul creates the ego as is buffer to prevent the pain, the uh, ego may create alter egos to protect the ego from the pain of not being loved. So an alter ego is the creation of the ego um, and the pain of suffering is experienced in the alter ego while the ego can go on functioning. So that's exactly the same with the soul and the ego. The ego can go on functioning in this material world um, um, and preventing the pain from arriving at the um, soul. Now to go to the next stage, you could say, well, when you have a group of People, in other words, souls working together or living in community or living in a nation, there is a sense in which there is a group soul. But that sense of group soul only manifests to the extent that there is an alignment in consciousness between the individuals living in that group experience. So it is quite possible in an organization to have a shared vision and a shared set of values and, and a sense of caring, which caring culture that creates a, a an organizational soul. Um, that was my second book. It was called Liberating the Corporate Soul. Yeah, yeah. And that's really what I was referring to. mm
0: mm-hmm. So a question for you. Throughout every eons of time, we've been using these words as descriptions of the essence of what ego and or soul is. If you could, for my listeners and myself, tell me what you think it actually feels like to be in soul versus feeling like being in ego there is a
1: one significant difference the ego um, has fears and as long uh, if you are upset angry impatient etc etc you are in ego because you believe your needs are not being met mm-hmm. once you can transcend conscious and subconscious fears you open yourself up to the influence of the soul, because the energetic vibration of fear cannot ex- cannot the, sorry the energetic vibration of love cannot exist with the energetic vibration of fear, so as you let fear out of your life, you master your fears and you move into you move automatically into soul consciousness, and as your life goes on, you get to the point the last stage of development, the serving stage where um, if you've done everything right up to that point, you're actually living the life of your soul. You have no needs because all the needs that you could possibly have are actually manifested before you even know you have them because you are living uh, the life of the soul. You're living the quantum reality of the soul where thought creates reality. And uh, as long as you've got fears in your life, that prevents you from accessing... This level of soul consciousness.
0: Well, I know each of us uh, as living beings on this planet, uh, you know, walking in this physical plane, this physical plane we have to work in. We do run those gamuts of emotions, so we do run those gamuts of states of mind. But, you know, you mention in the book that the primary reason for writing this book was a statement by Abraham Maslow in the second edition he called Toward a Psychology of Being. And there's a quote in there that there is now emerging over the horizon a new conception of human sickness and human health, a psychology that I find so thrilling and so full of wonderful possibilities that I yet to the to the temptation, that I yield to the uh, temptation to present it publicly uh, even before it is checked and confirmed and before it can be called reliable scientific knowledge. Um, why did this quote of all the quotes that you read in your life have such an impact on you wanting to write this book?
1: Because what Maslow was talking about and what his what he stated was that there is a larger jurisdiction for psychology. And that was what really inspired me. And also the courage of Maslow, an academic, to actually go out on a limb and without using the word soul, talking about the higher self present this material, that courage for me was a, uh, I've not met that courage, or very rarely have I met it in the academic world. Because for the academic world, the soul is pretty much a no-no, except if you go to University of Santa Monica or one of these other niche universities that recognize the, uh, the soul. But mainstream psychology does not recognize the soul. And it is Mainstream psychology is a long way from recognizing the soul. And that's another reason why I wrote this book, because I wanted to bring the solar back front and center into the term psychology. Carl Jung had the soul... uh, very much yeah. as a focus in his work, Asagioli Roberto Asagioli, who lived in Florence, near where I am right now, had it even more centered to his uh, hypotheses. Uh, Maslow was stretching to get there and wanted to talk about it, but you know felt constrained. So I wanted to bring all of that that soul-centeredness to psychology back.
0: Well, that's the first thing I. Because your personal development, the age at which you are now, 71, as you said, it's part of these stages of development, and and what you're known for when you go out and teach and this is what I learned from you. And it's interesting because, you know, there is a, there is kind of a correlation between Maslow and some of the things that, that you developed, although you take it to a whole new level. There's also a correlation with Ken Wilber in a lot of this as well. I think you're all thought leaders in this area, but you're known for your stages of development and levels of consciousness. Can you explain to the listeners who don't know your work, what it is and what it's about. And you can do that in you know general terms or you can explain the levels, but you can do it however you'd like to. Because a lot of listeners don't know you.
1: Well, uh, so thank you for that invitation. Um, so first of all, we grow in stages of development and we operate at levels of consciousness. So the stages of development are not to 2, surviving. That's the period when the um, reptilian mind brain is dominant then uh, three to seven that's when the limbic mind brain is dominant that's the conforming stage and then from eight to 24 when the neocortex becomes dominant that's the differentiating stage and at that point we've we've that's been the period of ego development at that point we reached the stage called individuating which is what uh Carl Jung talked about, and that goes on roughly from around twenty five till thirty nine more or less and that 's when we begin to uh, take away the mask that we develop to get our needs met, our deficiency needs met, and become more fully who we are and adopt our own values as we enter into the 40s, we find the work that we 're passionate about we learn to express fully more fully who we are in the 50s in order to um, find meaning and make a difference we then have to connect with other people so that 50s is all about connecting so that we can make a difference um, living out our passion which we developed in our 40s and in the 60s we move from connecting into contributing now all we want to do is selfless service we want to give the gifts and talents that we have to the world now how well you did That the surviving and the conforming and differentiating stage significantly affects your ability and your health in the self actualizing, integrating, and Serving stages. So those are the stages of development. Now, at any moment in time, let's say you're at the individuating stage, you're in the middle 30s, you lose your job, you lose your savings, then what happens is you drop down immediately to the survival level of consciousness. It doesn't mean you go back to being a baby, but you go back to that level of consciousness. And if you lose your uh, girlfriend or your wife or your husband, and you drop back to the relationship level of consciousness, which is similar to the conforming stage of development. So we grow in stages and we develop in levels. And now what I did, and which is what I'm known for, um what I did almost 20 years ago now, I recognize that certain values go to certain levels of consciousness. So if you tell me your values, I can tell you what levels of consciousness you're operating from and or invented a way of measuring consciousness by mapping values to this seven levels model and that is now used all over the world by organizations and communities and even nations to map the values of the group and um is uh, we've developed a highly successful business doing that all over the world, and that was the training that you did ten or twelve years ago. Mm-hmm. So that in a nutshell, is really what uh, I'm all about.
0: Most definitely. I mean your the foundation of your work is really around the stages of development, the levels of consciousness, and then going deeper in that. This book actually takes it to a whole new level and and you you talk about this fourth dimensional energetic frequency, which you referenced just a few minutes ago of the soul and the universal energy field. Can you discuss the four dimensions of the soul with the listeners? I know you did it a little bit earlier, but maybe a little bit more in depth of, you know, how, how is it that if you were to, if somebody said to you, Hey, Richard, um, I don't feel like I'm connected with my soul. I don't know anything about this fourth dimension. Um, how are you going to help them access it? Because I know there's a lot of filters that we put in. How do you help people access the fourth dimension?
1: Well, um, the access to the fourth dimension is um, relatively simple because the uh, we are energetic beings, and when... when uh, Emotions are energy in, in, in motion. And so, um, what happens is that whenever we have an emotion, there we consciously aware of that through our feelings. So if you want to get in touch with the energetic world, you have to be into, tu- in touch with your feelings because that is fundamental because your feelings are ah, the consciousness awareness of your emotion and the emotion is the energy shift that's taking place in that fourth dimensional energetic field, and so when you uh, get your needs met for example you'll feel happy and you'll have the emotion of happiness and so um, that means that there will be a sense of um, a positive energy shift because very often we we get happy because we When something that we were afraid we would not have, like passing an exam or et cetera, et cetera, suddenly we pass that exam, the relief, the release of the fear energy that we had around not passing that exam shows up as the positive emotion of happiness because now we got that need met. When, as I said earlier, when we don't get our needs met, what happens is we experience the emotion of anger. Anger is the emotion we feel simply about not having our, our needs met. Now, when we consciously don't get our needs met um, uh, and we recognize a situation coming up, which we've experienced before where we didn't get our needs met, we'll have the emotion of fear because we'll know what's coming. And so, all of these emotions are actually the access points to to the energetic world of the soul. And joy is actually, occurs when we are able to satisfy the desires of the soul. So so the pathway to our energetic world is through our feelings, understanding our feelings, understanding our emotions, and expressing our emotions. Now, you know, very often, particularly men, they're taught not to, do, not to have feelings, not to express emotions. And that cuts us off very quickly from the, our energetic world and from the soul.
0: Interesting. I mean, that's a great explanation of that. And thank you for taking the time to kind of guide my listeners to what I want to call accessing Soul. It's always there. What you're saying is we are soul, but I think we forget. You know, it's like a lapse in, you want to call it memory, it's a lapse in consciousness that that even exists. Can you talk to the listeners about the motivations of the ego and the soul? On page 56 of your book, I was looking at that and I thought that would be an interesting opportunity to look at what actually motivates ego and soul.
1: Well, yes. Let's do that. Um, there are some great tables in the book, and um, there are, uh, uh, and some great diagrams that explain mm-hmm. everything barely. But 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 basically, we have to recognize that the soul incarnates into the to have this material three dimensional experience for three reasons. One, to to express fully express itself. Two to connect with others, and three, to contribute to others. Now, why those three? Because that is exactly... The life that the soul has in the fourth dimensional uh, consciousness before it incarnates into the body, mm-hmm. before it restricts its awareness, it's living in a unified energy field. It's an individuated aspect of the user and universal energy field. So, at that level, when I give to you, I'm giving to myself because there's only one of us on the planet,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: so, and the self-expression which is so cut out of us by our educational system, is what the soul came here to do, to fully express who it is. And our chance to do that arises in the 40s when we find our soul passion, when we find what we love to do and our vocation and to fully express who we are, that we then start on the unfolding or the activation of soul. And then in order to... In order to make a difference by giving the gifts, the soul gifts that we have, we have to connect with other people. And so connection is fundamental. And then contribution becomes fundamental. So these are, these are the three, um, stages of the uh, soul expression and they are, are aided or inhibited by how well we did at the surviving stage of learning to control our environment and not developing any fears about survival, how well we did at the conforming stage about finding love and, and building uh, love relationships and uh, at the differentiating stage in, uh, in developing a great sense of self-esteem, if we weren't able to do that, then when we get to our 40s, 50s, and 60s, we'll be inhibited in our soul expression.
0: So let me ask you this. This term's been used a lot. And obviously from your perspective, there are no lost souls. But you will, you will hear people use that expression, oh, that person's a lost soul, Right? It's, a, it's I would say it's a relatively common expression. Yeah, yeah. So everybody's path, their karma, what they run up against, what happens to them. Where, What would you just say from a standpoint of the soul's evolution in this physical body? Um, how would you address that? Because some people are going to say, oh, look at the, the guy that did the shootings here in the United States – those are definitely lost souls. How do you compare and contrast the good the the dichotomy of that, right? Uh and the duality of it and the evil.
1: Well, there are for me there are no lost souls. There are individuals who failed to uh, to um, find the, fail to get the needs of the stage of development that they're at met. And, and when you fail to get your needs met as the ego stages of development, what happens is you become depressed and depression is the sadness of the soul because if you fail to get, let's say take teenagers and young men or young women, for example, when they fail to get their recognition needs met and that's the differentiating stage and they fail to become um, part of a community, or even a niche community, then they, the the there is a sadness which develops Uh, in the mind, which is the the sadness of the soul at the failure of the ego to master that stage of development. And the ego then just simply um, will either become uh, very depressed or will seek revenge for not getting its needs met. And this is what happens when people go out shooting. First of all, they're saying, notice me, for God's sake, notice me. And I am taking revenge for all of the lack of recognition that I've had in my life. And so,
0: yeah.
1: So, you know, and... What I also explained in the book is how all of this leads to suicide, and I also relate in the book on how the failure at each stage of development leads to specific illnesses later in life. And so, because it is all integrated, because the body is actually an energy field, when you fail to master the needs of a particular stage of development and continue to fail, What happens is it sets up an energy imbalance in the body which then triggers specific diseases. So specific diseases are actually linked to specific failures to master certain stages of psychological development.
0: Well, I can say, Richard, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. It's all a balancing act, let me tell you. And I think walking through this particular world into... The realm of the world of spirituality in connection with how we do business, how we live our life, is always not just a fascinating topic, but it's one thing to talk about it, it's another to live it. And what I would say is you're the living essence of that. I acknowledge you and appreciate you for all the contributions that you've made for the world. And for my listeners, uh, you can learn more about Richard. Um, There's videos up on YouTube. But the book is called A New Psychology of Well-Being and Exploration of the Influence of Ego-Soul Dynamics on mental and physical health, some of which we've been talking about. The book is up on Amazon. Uh, is this also a Kindle version at Amazon as well, Richard? Uh,
1: not yet. It only just came out, and the title is A New Psychology of Human Well-Being. Oh, Anyhow, it's, okay. it's not it's not out. It will be. It's uh, just came out in PDF format. Okay. Um, sorry, not PDF, in, in e-format, and I'm hoping it'll be in Kindle sometime in the next two or three months.
0: Okay. Beautiful. But they can get this book up on Amazon, correct?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: All right. So if you want to order the book, go to Amazon, folks. If you want to learn more about Richard, you have a website. It's richardbarrett.net. Richard Barrett, B-A-R-R-E-T-T dot net, and the corporate website where he talked about his business and how he's helped businesses use these tools to evolve the consciousness of the organization. Is it Values Center? And that's V-A-L-U-E-S-C-E-N-T-R-E dot com. There you can learn more about everything. If you look to the right-hand side, you'll see upcoming speeches, latest presentations, blogs, articles, videos, podcasts, books, and the like. Richard, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for for everything. I appreciate you being on Inside Personal Growth, and I'm certainly inviting you back uh, to do a few more interviews on a couple of your other books that I happen to recognize uh, would be good for my listening audience. Thanks so much for your time today uh, and being on the show.
1: Thank you, Greg.